around the world and coast to coast. This is the Phil Nason Show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Phil Nason Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Phil Nason Show. I am so happy to have you here. We'll be here for as long as it takes. And we'll be talking NBA basketball today. As always, of course. Man, I want to thank you all for taking the time to download the show. I appreciate your support, and I appreciate you. Thank you so much. We've got big stuff happening at our sister site, my blog site, flashspeaks.wordpress.com. The Bovada Free Play of the Day. We are rocking it. We are rolling it. We're making you money. If you play the Bovada Free Play of the Day every day since the inception of that blog, you'd be making money right now. We are 16-8 and eight in NBA basketball, 4-2 and two in Major League Baseball, and we're just getting started. But if you want to make more money, you got to hit me up with a subscription. You can do so by contacting me through the website, philnasonshow.com or flashspeaks.wordpress.com, and I promise you we will tailor make a package suitable just for you, and you're going to win a lot of cash with the Flash. There's no question about it. No question about it. And in the fall, we're going to be doing football, both college and pro football, and we will also be doing horse racing, both harness racing and thoroughbred action. We've got it all going on. So contact me and let's set you up with a package. Why not? Let's set you up with a package. Man, we've got a busy, busy weekend ahead of us in the NBA, but I want to start today. I want to start today with the all-NBA team. Those three teams, the first, second, and third team, were all named yesterday on Thursday. And let me say this. It's hard to disagree with some of the selections. It's hard to disagree with James Harden. It's hard to disagree with LeBron James. They were the only two unanimous players selected, and I think they should be. Anthony Davis, how do you argue with him and the work that he put in, especially when Boogie Cousins went down? Come on now. When Boogie went down, everybody wrote the Pelicans off. But Anthony Davis stepped up and took care of business, didn't he? Led their team, led them to the playoffs, swept the Portland Trailblazers, and ran into a buzzsaw known as the Golden State Warriors. And that's not a sin or a crime because the Warriors are still damn good. Damian Lillard, first team All-NBA. First team. Swept two seasons in a row in the playoffs. Just taken out two seasons in a row. But this is an award for playoffs. This is an award for regular season. Damian Lillard deserves to be there. I still think at some point he's going to be a starter in the All-Star game. He deserves that too. But at least people gave him his props because he's been quietly one of the best point guards, if not players, in the NBA over the last four seasons. So congratulations to him. Kevin Durant, all-NBA first team. Okay? (laughs) Why not? Why shouldn't he be there? 
He's led that team when he was healthy. He's had his ups and downs. It's not easy to play on a team with possibly three other Hall of Famers, maybe even four if you count Andre Iguodala. You just never know. It's hard. So kudos to him too. And the second team, Giannis Antetokounmpo, second team All-NBA. I may have put him in over Kevin Durant, but that's just a personal decision, of course, because I don't like Kevin Durant, and I like Giannis Antetokounmpo much more. And then you have Russell Westbrook, second-team All-NBA. Average a triple-double and only second-team All-NBA. That's because they gave him the MVP last year that he probably didn't deserve. Second-team All-NBA on a team with three Hall of Famers. Second-team All-NBA, folks. Joel Embiid, second-team All-NBA. I don't know if I would have put him in at second-team All-NBA. Plus, he made the defensive team, too. And you folks who play daily fantasy sports or even fantasy basketball know the secret to taking care of business is to play bigs against the Philadelphia 76ers because Joel Embiid doesn't exactly take care of his business very well on that end of the floor. So that was kind of puzzling to me. But Joel Embiid, second-team All-NBA, the guy who still doesn't play back-to-backs. Okay? LaMarcus Aldridge, second-team All-NBA. Kawhi Leonard misses all all season long. The entire season, outside of nine games. The Spurs shouldn't have made the playoffs, but they did, and the reason that they did is LaMarcus Aldridge. And to get only two first-place votes, two first-team votes, That, to me, seemed a little ridiculous, especially when Joel Embiid got 11. But it is what it is. He still belongs on the All-NBA team, and he made his spot. And DeMar DeRozan, two votes also for the first team. He rounds out the second team. And DeRozan is another one who, well, doesn't really perform that well in the playoffs, but this isn't an award for playoff performance. This is an award for regular season work. And he put in his work. He became a better three-point shooter. The Toronto Raptors were the best team in the East, at least during the regular season. So congratulations to him also. And here's where it gets interesting. The third team All-NBA, Steph Curry. He got two votes for the first team and 39 votes for the second team. Whoever decided to vote For Russell Westbrook, as opposed to Steph Curry, needs to probably watch more basketball. I didn't get that one. I still don't get that one. I don't understand that one. Steph Curry, when he played, and he missed, I know he played only 51 games, but he was still one of the top five or six NBA players in that time. To be all NBA third team is ridiculous. Victor Oladipo. He's another one who probably should have gotten a vote, but didn't. He got more votes, obviously, for the third team, and good for him. You know, he got away from Russell Westbrook, even though Westbrook probably showed him some things, and he did learn some things from Westbrook, and he led an improbable Pacers team to a very, very interesting playoff appearance against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And the sky's the limit for the Pacers, and a lot of that reason is because of Victor Oladipo. Good for him. I'm glad he made it. I'm glad they recognized him. Carl Anthony Towns. Now here's another defensive um, 
sieve, if you will. He doesn't play defense. But, but, to put him on the third team as opposed to Joel Embiid is ridiculous. That just made no sense whatsoever. Embiid doesn't even play back-to-backs. They baby him. He's probably never going to play more than 65 games in a season. Carl Anthony Towns was a leader, especially, especially when Jimmy Butler went down, and at least he got some votes. He only didn't get any for first team, but that would be kind of tough because Anthony Davis was better. But he should have gotten more than Joel Embiid. And Jimmy Butler made the All-NBA third team, and he would have probably made the second team or even the first team had he not been injured. And we give him a big shout-out, big shout-out to Jimmy Butler. I think he's going to do fantastic things in a Minnesota Timberwolves uniform next season. And then Paul George, he rounds out the All-NBA third team. Okay? Can you imagine having two two members of the All-NBA team and get bounced by a team that didn't have any? That didn't make any sense either, does it? How does that make sense? That there's not a single Utah Jazz member on this All-NBA team. Not even Rudy Gobert. You mean to tell me that Rudy Gobert or Joel Embiid is better than Rudy Gobert? I don't think so. <laughs> Ask the Oklahoma City Thunder about Rudy Gobert. That's just ridiculous. But you know what? At least... Most of them got named, and that's a really good thing because I would hate to see them get completely slighted, them being the Utah Jazz team, because they deserved a few. Um, Kyle Lowry had a pretty good season. It was kind of up and down, though, so maybe he didn't get a, a crack in there either. But for the most part, I think they got it right. They'd be in the media, and I'm happy to uh, say that for once because it doesn't usually happen very often. And I tell you, you know, it's time to switch over and talk a little bit about these conference finals. I got to say this, though, beforehand. You know, the last day of the regular season was far more exciting and entertaining than anything that's been produced in the playoffs outside of the Utah Jazz defeating the Oklahoma City Thunder. Okay, you know what? New Orleans uh, sweeping the Portland Trailblazers was pretty exciting, too. But outside of that, it's been kind of a... a little bit dreary, you know. Um, Indiana gave it a good fight against Cleveland. That was a pretty good series. But this Eastern Conference Final between the Boston Celtics and the Cleveland Cavaliers, I thought would be over this Friday, the 25th of May. I thought Game 6 would be the end. And I thought for sure, I thought for sure that the Cleveland Cavaliers would be clinching in Cleveland on the 25th of May. Unfortunately, Boston has other plans and had other plans and still has other plans. In fact, they could finish it up tonight if they so chose and if they're lucky enough to win. Game six in Cleveland. And this has been a strange series. It really has. It's been a home-and-home series. I've said this before several places, several times. I'm going to say it again. When you've got very good NBA players, they usually play better at home than they do on the road. And this has been the case. It really has. It has been the case throughout this series. Kevin Love's been okay. LeBron James has been phenomenal. Outside of that, you've got a little bit here and a little bit there from the Cleveland Cavaliers. And the Boston Celtics, 
Al Horford's been solid. Jason Tatum has been great. Jalen Brown has been great. These are rookies. Jalen Brown's second-year player. Terry Rozier has been pretty good. Really good, actually. Marcus Morris has been good in this Cleveland series at times. Marcus Smart has been good. Aaron Baines has been solid. And what you have here is a Boston Celtics 3-2 lead. All home wins for Boston, who are undefeated in the playoffs at home. And then you have Cleveland kind of like limping along. And I got to say, some of the things that I've seen from Cleveland have just left me shaking my head. But then again, I watch every one of their games, so it shouldn't. The things that you're seeing from the Cleveland Cavaliers in this series against the Boston Celtics, if you watch every game like I do, none of this should be surprising. None of these defensive lapses should be surprising. None of these bonehead Tyron Lue rotations should surprise you. He has done more head-scratching moves than a guy with dandruff or a dog with fleas. That guy can't coach in the NBA. You know, they won a championship because they were lucky, because Draymond Green was suspended for a game, and Cleveland took advantage of it. But it was nothing that Tyron Lue has done. You can't name one good, solid move Tyron Lue has made since taking over as the head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers. You just can't. The best thing that he did was take time off for his health because that's when the Cleveland Cavaliers played the best of the season, when he was gone, when Larry Drew was the coach. You know, you can ask those young fellas like Jordan Clarkson and Rodney Hood, Antti Zizic. Those three fellas got to play and produce under Larry Drew, and Tyron Lue just leaves him sit there. He doesn't even look their way. Rarely does he look their way, I should say. Rarely. And in Zizic's case, not at all. Jetty Osmond was damn good while Larry Drew was the interim head coach. And as soon as Tyron Lue came back, said Jetty Osmond, parking your ass back to the bench. That's just not good coaching. He doesn't know what he's doing. He never has. People say that he pulls bonehead moves, and he says he was, uh, what was it? He was duped. Oh, throw for a loop because the Boston Celtics decided not to play Semi Ojolei. And I'm thinking to myself, how do you get thrown for a loop when you've coached in two NBA finals? How does that throw you for a loop when you've been coaching this long and you played in the NBA? How do you sit your third best, or in this series at least, your second most consistent NBA player in the first and third quarters. How do you do that? Unless Kyle Korver was hurt, then you don't do that. That just doesn't make sense. That is head-scratching. I'm telling you, it doesn't make any sense at all. If the Cavaliers lose, it's for two reasons. One, LeBron James has the Bill Russell syndrome, and he has to decide whether he should be the coach or the player. Can't be both. And Tyron Lue in these bonehead decisions over and over and over again with his dumbass rotations that make no sense, and the team gets blown out. How do you possibly have the greatest NBA player on the planet and you got a pretty good all-star in Kevin Love and can't beat a bunch of backups in Al Horford? How is that possible? 
How is that rookie kid getting over on you? Because you don't coach. That's why. My word. And I got to say this, Brad Stevens, Brad Stevens is a top five coach, okay? He, he's done a great job. Anybody looks good against Tyron Lue, but Brad Stevens, Brad Stevens looks like Phil Jackson, Bill Russell, Pat Riley, and Greg Popovich all rolled up into one coaching machine. That's right, he does, because that's how bad Tyron Lue is. I look like an NBA coach standing next to Tyron Lue. You look like an NBA coach standing next to Tyron Lue. He's pathetic as a head coach. And Boston, Boston is playing basketball. See, they're doing exactly what they want to do, and that's winning home. That's why home court is so important. That's why I still don't understand those fellas in Cleveland for not pursuing home court the last couple of years. Of course, they didn't need it last year, but they sure need it this year, and they're in big trouble, for real, big trouble, because Jason Tatum, a rookie, has come into his own in this series. In fact, he's been doing it all season long, but because of the Kyrie Irving was on the floor and you know you had other situations going on, we didn't talk a whole lot about Jason Tatum, but we should have. I mean, we really should have. It's hard not to talk about, or it shouldn't be that difficult to talk about the third leading scorer on the Boston Celtics this season. It's hard to talk about a rookie, or it shouldn't be that hard to talk about a rookie who played in 80 games and started 80 games. He benefited by Gordon Hayward getting hurt, but let's be honest. If Jalen or Jason Tatum doesn't start next season and Gordon Hayward does, there's something not right there. I don't look for Gordon Hayward to be there. If he is, he's coming off the bench. Because, you know, they signed him to be the great white hope. But he's the great white nope. And the great white hope in Boston is Brad Stevens, who is probably going to be a coach there forever if this keeps up. And I don't think Boston Celtics fans will be too upset about that either. Because he has those young guys staying within themselves, not trying to do too much, and winning their home games. Winning their home games. These are guys, this team is averaging 11.8 turnovers a game during these playoffs. At home, they're averaging in the postseason. Let me see. Wow, this thing switched on me. How did it do that? They're averaging 11.2 rebounds per game. And let's see at home. I'll bet you at home it's even more drastic. I'll bet you at home it's even more drastic. And this stupid ESPN app is not getting it done today. They're averaging actually more turnovers on at home than they are on the road and they're winning. They're undefeated in the playoffs. When Brad Stevens calls a timeout, something gets accomplished usually. When Tyron Lue gets a timeout, you never know what's going to happen. You don't even know who's going to come on the floor. Pathetic. Pathetic. But these Celtics, they're amazing me. I'm enjoying watching them play. I think Celtics fans are too. They should be. They should be damn happy. And I'll tell you what, I would not be surprised if they lose game six, they being the Cavaliers. Not surprising at all to me if that happens. However, I don't see that happening. I still see the Cavaliers winning game six. And then I see the Cavaliers doing something that 
a lot of people don't think they can do. I see them winning Game 7 in Boston. And here's why I say what I say. Again, marginal players, good players in the NBA play better at home. However, Boston's been playing with house money the whole year. Ever since Gordon Hayward went down, they've been playing with house money. When Kyrie went down in March, they got an extra dose of house money. Everything else after the first round is a bonus. And look how far they've come with a bunch of guys that at the beginning of the season you wouldn't have been able to name outside of Al Horford and perhaps Marcus Smart. That's it. You wouldn't have been able to name them. And that's okay. Kudos to Brad Stevens. Kudos to Danny Ainge. And boo to Dan Gilbert for hiring Tyron Lue and firing David Blatt. Yeah, I just can't stand that cat, man. Tyron Lue, he just, ugh. Terrible coach, terrible coach. In the West, what did I say? Golden State in six? Boy, I missed them both, didn't I? Doggone it. Good thing my Bovada free play of the day is so much better than my series predictions. Don't you agree? Yeah, good thing, huh? Good Lord. Houston, man. Houston Rockets. The Rockets. They are a good basketball team. You know, they are averaging in this playoffs. They are averaging, listen to this, 39.5 triples a night. Golden State this, this playoff series, all the series, I'm sorry, the, during the playoffs, just 29.7 <laughs> per game. The Rockets shoot threes. But more importantly, you know who's stepping up? Chris Paul has had himself an incredible series, and it's 3-2 Houston, game six on Saturday night. I don't even know what to tell you. Yes, I do. You know I do, right? Andre Iguodala has missed the last two games. This season, they are now 12-10 and 10 when, in games that he misses. Yes, he matters to that team. People don't realize how much he matters. The Hamptons 5 aren't the Hamptons 5 without Andre Iguodala. He is the glue guy of that team. He keeps everybody in line. He's that veteran. He goes out and does the dirty work. He'll come off the bench. He'll start. He'll do whatever he has to do to make that team better. That's why he's so important to that team. He will get in their, their faces being Kevin Durant and Draymond Green and tell them to zip it. And they will zip it. They listen to him. He's an important part of that team. To devalue Andre Iguodala's presence is just stupid. And to not recognize the fact that this team is not the same without him just doesn't make you a very good NBA analyst, does it? Because that's how important he is. They've lost both games that they've lost in this series. The last two games have been by three and four points. Iguodala makes the difference. Now, they got blown out in game two, but he got hurt in that game. The Rockets have won three of the last four. Game three was a nice game for the Warriors. But you've got this team and this Warriors team that just should be so good. You know, you've got this argument going around that they have four Hall of Famers. Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. A lot of people don't think Draymond Green is a Hall of Famer. I, I guess it doesn't really matter that much to me, but he could be at some point. 
You know, some people say that he's a system player, and that perhaps is true to some extent. He's still a pretty good basketball player in some pretty good company. He would be their leader. If Andre Iguodala is the glue guy, Draymond Green is their heart and soul. And Draymond has had his ups and he's had his downs in this series. And you would think a guy like him would be able to take advantage of those fellas in Houston, but you just, they aren't. He isn't. Because Houston is staying in their lane. They are taking care of business in this series. They have totally taken care of business in this series. This team is good. Houston is good. Everybody wants to write them off. But this team is actually pretty good. I think they're better than the Warriors, actually. I just think what's going to happen is losing Chris Paul, if they do, he left the game in Game 5, like with 50 seconds to go with a hamstring issue, that same hamstring that's uh, hindered him in the past. And if he doesn't come back, this could be interesting. If the Warriors are missing Iguodala and the Rockets are missing Chris Paul, I take my chances and let James Harden shoot 30, 30 triples if he has to and let him play all 48 minutes if he has to. And I'm going to go for the jugular in Oakland if I'm Mike D'Antoni because you almost have to. You know, you've got basically these guys are playing with a six-man rotation. Okay, Gerald Green gets a few minutes here and there. Luke Mabuamut gets a few minutes here and there, but they're rolling with P.J. Tucker. P.J. Tucker, 32 minutes a night in the playoffs. Trevor Ariza, 33 minutes a night in the playoffs. Clint Capella, just 30, but he's a big man. He shouldn't even be a factor in this series, but he has been to some degree. To some extent, he has been. You know, he's averaging a double-double in this series. Quietly, I might add. People aren't even talking about Clint Capella, and they should be. They should have been talking about him for all NBA. He had a good year this year. He averaged a double-double on a, on a three-point shooting team. He don't shoot no threes. He shoots bricks for free throws. And he averaged a double-double there. That pick and roll between Chris Paul and Clint Capella was fascinating to watch this season. The same with Harden and Capella. Yeah, nobody wants to talk about him either. You know, this is a good, good team. And I'm surprised more people aren't talking about what Clint Capella has brought to this basketball team in these playoffs. He's averaging almost two and a half blocks a night. Nobody talking about Clint Capella. I kind of wrote him off because of the Hamptons 5. But without the Hamptons 5, he stood a pretty good chance, didn't he? And he has. And now you look at Golden State. Kevin Durant's been pretty good. Steph Curry's been pretty good outside of game one. Klay Thompson, he's been hurt the whole season, really. Missing Andre Iguodala matters. Having Sean Livingston only play 17 minutes a night, that matters. They're in trouble. That Warriors team, they may have quote-unquote four future Hall of Famers, but those Hall of Famers are about to get shamered in this series, and it could happen Saturday night. I think Houston's got a very good chance of winning 
Saturday night and wrapping this thing up. And I think Boston has a pretty good chance, even though I don't think they will. I would love to see Houston play Cleveland, and then I would love to see Cleveland win the whole thing. If Cleveland plays Golden State, they don't win. If they play Houston, they win. Perhaps they win. It should be interesting either way, shouldn't it? So my predictions, game six. Cleveland-Boston, I say Cleveland wins, but they don't cover the six point or seven points. And in game six over in Oakland, I think Houston comes in and shocks them. I think they shock the world and defeat the Golden State Warriors four games to two on Saturday night. All right, you know what? That's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Phil Nason Show. Don't forget the free Bovada play of the day. Completely free. And if you're playing at Bovada or you want to play at Bovada and never have signed up or deposited, use my link and you get bonuses up to $3,000. Until next time, you all take care of yourselves. Be good. And most importantly, ladies and gentlemen, my mother thanks you. My father thanks you, my sister thanks you, and I thank you.